I want to make sure that uh, uh, we're ready to get going before I take you to I take you to task for um, uh, your going out of your way to watch a white supremacist movie. Oh my fucking god! Yeah, um, L- I. This is my favorite. This, this is the reason I regret not being on Twitter. I right entered. Uh, it's because this is the best. I, I um actually, unless you drop a piano on the entire cast of your movie, uh, you're that's a white supremacy. Yeah, um, I love it. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, for for listeners who hopefully do not know the darkness, um, long before it came out, there's been this discourse we will we will call it about robert eggers's uh new movie the northman which i've seen and it's very good um robert eggers of uh for those who aren't familiar um the lighthouse and uh the vavitch yes yes and that is a movie that i would say is all right the lighthouse is a movie i would say is is absolutely incredible and the northman i would say is kind of between the two uh, i like it i enjoyed both very much and we'll be going to see uh the tri- the triumph of the northman um tomorrow actually excellent all right well we'll have to talk about it on a future episode because like i like it a lot um but because it's a movie about vikings loads of people just decided it's gonna be a Nazi movie. And Mm -hmm. that's part of this ongoing problem where people who don't actually have a very robust political framework, but vaguely are aware of images or tropes or ideas that um, some fascists like to kind of appropriate. um, They then can't delineate between those ideas and fascists abusing those ideas. Um, and of course, you know, Odinists are a thing. There's a, there's a whole segment of these freaks who, you know, theme themselves vaguely after, you know, their own ahistorical imagining of what Vikings were. So, in in the minds of a lot of people, any movie that has anything to do with Vikings now has an obligation to, like, I don't know what they want. A scene where the, the protagonist looks at the camera and denounces contemporary neo-Nazism. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, yeah. it's I don't know, man. I don't know what they want. Well, the, yeah, it's it's a it's it's interesting because it reminds me this sort of like liberal critique that like you can't talk about antiquity without accidentally accidentally doing Nazi shit. Which, first of all, I I don't I will, I will never think so little of myself as to think that I can't engage with in a historical topic without accidentally evoking the far right um unless i'm because the, the the argument this is all it's all in reference to two articles one that came out in the guardian and another one that came out and what was someone's blog or whatever the fuck it's, it has a name i don't remember I, yeah. I don't read this stuff normally but it this this was the funniest thing i've ever seen um it that essentially it had the Northman problem, as I, I'm going to call it now, is this idea that the even if you attempt to capture what we would in the biz call historicity, which is what the layman's term being historical accuracy, but it's a lot more. It's a lot more than that. Sort of to capture some sort of essential part of history and to portray it. That even if you like are trying to do this, um, or you, like it. 
that no, no matter what, no matter how valiant an effort, including from someone like Robert Eggers, who has a history of like using history, I think in a very healthy way. I think that's, I think actually that's the, that's the biggest strength of the witch yeah. is that he, that he adapted the witch from primary sources and create the witch the witch is a composite story essentially yeah which is what good historical fiction can really be um historical fiction serves all kinds of purposes um but there's this idea out there now that like beside we're literally in a world to where there's like a resurgence in popular culture that depicts the medieval period in medieval europe um but apparently for upper middle class bourgeois bloggers or whatever you have to cast dev patel in all the roles in order to not do white supremacy basically like i'm joking but like the really the solution of the article was like if you tokenize a person of color and you recast them in this role then it's not then it's good um Mm -hmm. and even though something that robert eggers makes is always very considered um if, if it's anything, it's incredibly considered. Like, have you, like, this guy's movies, they're ridiculous. They're absurd. He yeah. Just, he, built, he built a lighthouse and shot it basically on, like, 150-year-old technology in an attempt to try and capture some element of historicity. God, but that no, movie's so good, dude. It's so good. It's so fucking good. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. If you want to fix all of the problems, you just have to, what you have to do is you, uh, talk about the medieval period but within the marvel cinematic universe (laughs) um and then then you fix you fixed it just kind of like you know just kind of make a million different shows but it's all about um god i don't know any superheroes captain america iron man Uh, hey yeah that's two of them yeah i just oh (laughs) let's see we knew we were cooking with gas the second we got on this call and like well what can i say that's right that's right and (laughs) It, it gives so much power to the right to be like, oh, these mm. guys fashion themselves after like their, you know, comic book version of, of Vikings. So now like they now own this and you have to like yeah. prove that you're actively operating against them or else you're like part of the problem if you engage in like. You're giving them credence. You're saying that they're right in a way and that they are worthy of disproving rather than just doing the work of history. That being said, being such a fucking baby and just do the work. Be perhaps uh, attempt to be uh, an adult. Maybe is all I, I I I'm so like just sincerely mad at, at, about mad, uh, bad media criticism. It's It's just, just shut up. It's all media. Shut up. We should all prepare. (laughs) It's all it's going to be now. This is, this is what it's going to be is, is the Northman racist? That's right. Is young Sheldon, um, uh, <laughs> it is young Sheldon empowering the far right. Um, he, he's always doing this, young Sheldon. He loves to empower the far right with his inventions. That, I haven't seen the show. I imagine it's kind of like Jimmy Neutron. Is that like? Uh, no, it's no. Jimmy Neutron's fun. Young it's Sheldon not is not like okay. So stuff. I have. I, of course, like, do you even have to ask? Of course, I have seen Young Sheldon. Um, <laughs> only like a season and a half. But it's like, oh, we we're talking about the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe. It's like, so Young Sheldon is just the Wonder Years. And also, there's a sh- another show on TV I have not seen. The one with the janitor from Scrubs. The I think it's called the Goldbergs. That is basically, it's just the Wonder Years. 
but like it's like they did to the mc they did to the big bang theory what they've done to the mcu you know how you have a bunch of different now we just have like 50 different marvel shows that are all kind of the same but they're all a little different too like you have fucking wandavision or whatever that plays with genre yeah like and young sheldon is just like if the big bang theory were they they if they mcu'd the big bang theory which i'm not gonna lie i would watch everything (laughs) i'd watch all i'd watch i like people don't i've been asked online before um like am i just a masochist do i actually like this stuff do i am i just perpetually ironic i did go to college in 2007 oh uh, which means that yeah i was indie trash um and the answer is yes anger sexual lust the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game all these concepts originated with karl marx Well, dear listener, you are listening to the premier film and television critique podcast, All Gamers Mm. Are Bastards. That's right. Uh, I am, of course, your host, Kay. This is Kyle, the true young Sheldon appreciator. Um, Mm. Before we get on to uh, the film the film the film fuck <laughs> the video game the yeah. video game of the day before we get on to the game of the day um there's actually another film that i think we should discuss because some big uh earth-shattering news dropped recently that i'm sure you're aware of where uh, the long-awaited avatar 2 now has a release date kyle I, I was not aware of this actually. <laughs> All right, so uh, as as listeners are probably aware, Avatar Two was first announced to be released in like 2018 or something. Like this was meant to come out four or five years ago, uh, and then it got delayed and delayed and delayed. I I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but I I suspect one of them is they realized that there's no justification for an Avatar it's, Two. Yeah, that it's Avatar. <laughs> that it's Avatar. <laughs> Uh, and but, not Star Wars. Wait, that's not Star Wars. It's what someone it's not, said. It's not a Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it might as well be. But um, it, uh, it apparently it's coming out December of this year. It's it's hitting theaters. It's 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 gonna be Avatar two, baby. Um, we're gonna we're we're I, I can pledge to get Ash and John from Horror Vanguard here so we can talk about Avatar two <laughs> to get the film get the get our get the film guys here uh and i will i will okay did you did you have the pleasure of of experiencing the first avatar in theaters because i did in a way because i fell asleep about (laughs) what must have been 25 percent into the movie and then woke up again and they were flying on dinosaurs and then I fell asleep again, and then I woke up and I said, oh, this is just Fern Gully. This is Fern Gully. <laughs> so Avatar is a difficult topic for me because <laughs> I, I did watch it at the time in theaters, and I hated it. And to this day, I think it's one of the worst <laughs> fucking movies I've ever seen. It's such it's, it's very bad <laughs> egregious dog shit. But I got to experience in real time as it kind of took over the world, and I, I couldn't yeah. understand what was happening in the world around me. 
it was like the biggest it's it's hard to even explain to people who weren't there it was like for yeah i'm gonna say about a year maybe less it was like the biggest movie in the world and i think it oh, still I, is like I, top of the I box got, office i got dragged to a to a to the midnight premiere oh. of avatar that was just that that was one of the uh Oh, it titled "The Way of the Water." What the fuck th- does that even mean? I think they're going to be that- elemental themed. They're they're only making it more confusing in relation Avatar to the last yeah, yeah. Avatar the last Airbender. Yeah, I assume there's going to be like a wind one, and it's going to be like I don't. It's they're, that is they're such a good idea. Us. Yeah, I love this. I love that so much. Maybe they figure uh, people will accidentally watch this thinking it is related to the beloved Avatar series that actually has. Oh some well, it's good live stuff. action, and if I recall correctly, the live action Avatar: The Last Airbender was a, a was a like to to use a James Cameron me- metaphor, a Titanic disaster. Oh, uh, yeah, it it was. Oh my God! I mean that that's a whole other can of worms um but uh this is a podcast about movies yeah this is a a movie podcast especially it's an avatar podcast right Um, avatar and the sopranos and the sopranos and some baby sometimes um, the northman um back to avatar briefly uh it was really it was really weird because like i was saying before you know it was like the biggest fucking film in, in the world for like a year and i I assume one of the dog shit Avengers movies has usurped it by now, but for a very long time, it was like the best uh, box office performing film of all time. Um, But by the end of its sort of year of, of fame, it was gone. Like it, it vanished from the cultural consciousness in such, such a, a, an abrupt way that if somebody told me that I misremembered its existence, like a Bernstein bears kind of thing, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I guess I fucking did. You know, before they started talking sequels, you just d- didn't hear about it for like a fucking the, decade. The um, Mandela effect created that yeah. part that yeah, I'm going to start just, I have like, I, I used to, I can't remember. I had a, there's a guy in college. I don't, there's always a guy, you know, who's just kind of around and everyone knows him, but you don't really know him. And there's, there's that that guy for me in college mm-hmm. what had the funniest bit I've ever heard, which is that he used to tell people very seriously about how Jonathan Taylor Thomas died in 9-11. It was the kid from Home Improvement <laughs> and the voice of Simba in the original Lion King. And people are like, no, no, this is before Wikipedia, too. And also before actually before smartphones to, to age myself. And so old ass. People like, and so anyone who got in on that bit and found it funny immediately had the obligation to then continue the bit so i'm not gonna lie there is there's there's a high likelihood that there's at least one person out there who because of uh, a a a purposefully induced Mandela effect believes that Jonathan Taylor Thomas died in 9-11. And thus, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past that Avatar is actually just a figure of our cultural imagination. Well, Avatar is a collection of our cultural imagination yeah, I, I for mean, different reasons. I, I mean, come on. Like, oh, uh, a movie about a bunch of, like, weird, sort of racist, like, blue people. That the Navi. Like, that, that has the same name as, like, a popular animated series from I, around the same time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's real. The only reason why any, like, like how is, okay, so how much money did they, did the CIA pay Jenny Nicholson to make that video then? Because it's the only reason why I remember anything about Avatar. <laughs> Is because there is an av- there is an Avatar theme park. It, like, 
all sorts of weirdos have been like YouTubers or CIA assets lately, and I think they need to. They're focusing on the wrong shit. You need to be looking at Jenny right. Nicholson uh, <laughs> and her her ongoing disinformation project where she pretends Avatar ever existed. She did get me to watch Dear Evan Hansen, so this is just revenge for oh for that. Don't listen. If you ever so interesting, if, I'm not gonna lie. If anyone ever recommends a musical to me, I'm gonna slap them in the mouth. All right, don't even fucking come at me with musicals. And for on, you can recommend musicals to me, but they have to have been filmed before 1965. Yeah, um, that's fair. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. We'll, we will as as is a gap tradition lock you in that weird space prison from Superman two. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, one exception actually is the, uh, 2000 year 2000 version of Jesus Christ superstar where it's like bizarrely gay, uh, and Jesus Mm. looks like a, a surfer, the Lord intended. And, um, I'm trying to remember who it is. I think Pontius Pilate is just like a Nazi, but like a really gay Nazi. Uh, yeah, it's insane. Watch the, the, the 2000 Jesus Christ superstar. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or better yet, watch like the '70s one, so then you can understand how completely bonkers the 2000 one is by yeah. comparison. That's the only good musical, anyway. Um, and the only other good musical is my video about the 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 jukebox film Pitch Perfect, which you can also find <laughs> on my YouTube channel. I'm doing I'm doing gratuitous plugs now. We're promoting Kyle's bit. channel. Uh, that's really what this Heavily. podcast is for. Not enough people watched his Elden Ring video, and I think you people are idiots. You're fucking well. That's definitely craving. Well, that's definitely true. But I'm animals. not gonna lie. The, the 500 people who listen to this podcast definitely watched that video. Yeah, the overlap is probably pretty intense. So I, I shouldn't yeah, be. I shouldn't be circle. taking out my rage on on our our innocent listeners. They love it. They love. They, they love. It. They, <laughs> they ask for it. Yeah, I'm 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 grumpy today. I had to do a group project with a bunch oh, of well. undergrads and it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> yeah, you just group project is all you need to say. Yeah. yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a classic obnoxious with that one. No, leave me alone. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, oh god, I wish I could have I it, oh Jesus. Uh 18-year-olds are not real people is is the thing. Uh, that's uh, true. I've some listeners will be aware I've gone back to university. Um, I'm in my late 20s, and I have only recently become a real human being. The most undergraduates are not, uh, and you can't count on them to do anything. I'm not going to be nice to people younger than me. Yeah. Uh, and as I age, that's just going to increase the range of people I don't have to be nice to. And fuck you, I've earned it. That's yeah. <laughs> that's, it's called wisdom. Yeah. I can't wait to be an awful boomer who just supports policies that nobody in the world wants except people my age and older because they're just suicidal for the human species. It's going to be sweet. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you think Avatar 2 could possibly be about? Cause I'm glad you asked. Um, I don't see. I, where, where do they have to go from here? Uh, I don't know. Just more dances with wolves stuff. Yeah, whatever like, the solution was in the first one, because that was like deforestation they were doing, right? So now it's going to be fracking. I fell asleep. Oh I, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were know. fucking up the forest. Yeah, it was. It was Ferngully. It was Ferngully. Yeah, yeah. they were. They now they're going to have doing, an oil spill or something. They were doing pollution. They didn't have like meatloaf, a meatloaf sounding soundtrack, which is again strike one avatar. Yeah, um, idiotic move, stupid yeah, movie. Stupid 
stupid movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is there a plot summary on the internet? Honestly, I just want to know what the fuck the the next Avatar is going to be. What? I, I don't nothing know. that ha- was nothing that was conceived fifteen years ago and takes this long to get here is ever going to be good. Look at Brian Wilson's smile. No, yeah, and I mean, see, the thing I'm thinking is I feel like they're going to be. I think it's going to be a very self-conscious movie because I feel like when the first Avatar came out, you could still kind of get away with that kind of noble savage bullshit that they were doing. Uh But I feel like that is just too outside of what's kind of politically acceptable in the mainstream now. So they're going to they're going to do it. But I I, I can't predict how they're going to. Um, I'm almost tempted to say it's going to be like MCU quipping, uh, quipping about it. Yeah. they're they gonna be self-conscious just, about it. Well, fucking Captain America is gonna show up. Avatar is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. I'm lifting a cat above my head right now. Who owns Avatar? Does Disney uh, own it? Could this actually uh, occur? Yes, <laughs> Disney does own it. Yes, oh so. no! That's where the that's where the theme park. I think that's where the theme park was. Is Disney? Oh! Uh, I could have gone there. Okay, I used to live by there. You maybe if you went there, you would know. What, what happened in the movie <laughs> no one else does because it never fucking existed bro fake fake movie don't trust jenny nicholson <laughs> i'm gonna put in the twilight zone <laughs> my prediction is that the cgi is going to somehow be so much worse in this new movie it's gonna look like um have you seen uh that adult swim show uh from back in the day home movies Oh, yeah, the, the original Adult Swim show, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it's amazing. Yeah, it's going to look like that, and it's going to be the musical episode uh, Bye Bye Greasy. I'll race to feel the wind in my face, and I'll race to feel alive, and I'll race to feel like I own this place, and I'll race until I die. I'll race against the other racers. So Elden Ring. Hit video game Elden Ring. The fallen leaves tell a story. The great Elden Ring was shattered. Now, you some of you may have heard of, of, <laughs> of this game. Uh and uh, the other games made by From Software called um, The Dark Soul, I believe it is mm-hmm. called. Uh, yeah. And... Pied Noir. It's uh, it's French for Blackfoot. Um, Dark Soul. And it means you're from Algeria. It's video games about Algerians. It's, it's a video game about finally being algerian and it's so (laughs) important to make video games about being algerian um because they're always they're always continuing the age of fire in algeria yeah elden ring's whole promise was that it would be dark souls but uh open world and it's yeah it's that that is what it is that's (laughs) it does what it says on the box i'm i'm having a lot of fun with it despite uh, a, a couple truly insane uh, design decisions, but I think anyone who's ever played a Dark Souls game has said that exact sentence. So I mean, that's yeah. you know, you know what you're in for with with FromSoft. Well, and I mean, it, it, it yeah, exactly, because FromSoft always what they always promise, they always 
whether you like it or not, exceed what they promise, which in the case, uh, it, it, there's, there's that particular case. And then there's also how they made it Super Mario Brothers, too. Um, Why? Because you can jump on it, people's heads? I have never thought that, like, Dark Souls needed platforming. I like. Mm-hmm. I thought like, oh yeah, you could like, you know, you could do some jumping or whatever. Or, like, you could add like a Breath of the Wild little hop or whatever. But like, they put so they put they put platforming in Dark Souls, and in my personal opinion, uh, it works really really well. Um, weirdly so, to where the the Elden Ring is a game that maximizes everything about from software games, in that it is equal parts self-serious, dark, and capital G gothic in its medieval influence, and also the goofiest fucking thing I've ever played in my entire life. <laughs> that I am laugh, I am laughing and laughing at the dumb shit that keeps happening to me, and the weird tonal shifts that can only be accomplished by a very the 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 cultural phenomenon that led to the creation of not just from software but this part it's almost like this really i think poetic moment is japanese people's obsession with medieval europe speaking of like now you want it like the uncan on the uncancelable the truly uncancelable is the japanese interpretation of medieval europe which is the most joyful interesting funny and and like watch my there is nothing funny about the video that i made about elden ring it is sad i would describe mm-hmm. it yeah. as a video about death um this is a game in a, a studio in a series of games completely about death but yeah. that is so like to like if you can't tell like you know like mask off no bit is very beautiful and has this like almost and this is kind of annoying because I'm not going to back this up with anything. It's just all purely by feeling. But like the 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 sort of the sort of poetry that came in this like Neoplatonian Christian soup of like the like of like just after late antiquity and when sort of medieval thought started to spread, um, that a lot of the th- a lot of its thoughts on death are are lovely so understated and quiet and really thoughtful in like like the idea like that okay i keep just plugging my own shit but making a video on elden ring it felt natural to me to talk about in these moments to where you are literally the representation of you being embraced by death yeah is like is so early on portrayed as a theme in this game and it's beautiful it's poetic i love it yeah, and and that, and Fia's entire um, uh, sort of her because she has an ending attached to her kind of quest line in the yes. game, and it revolves around sort of freeing death in a way uh, because yeah. things are undying, uh, and they want to bring you know make make it so that death can occur, and so that the dead who walk around as skeletons. Um, basically <laughs> will will stop being oppressed right. <laughs> she's like the the dead people liberation front um <laughs> it's it's all so bizarre and strangely beautiful 
And it's so completely in keeping with previous Dark Souls games. And some people have, have really not liked that about it. Um, and I get that because you're playing it and you're thinking, yeah, I've played this three times already in the three Dark Souls games. But I think that not unlike the way that the flame keeps being rekindled or, you know, somebody keeps sitting on the Elden Throne. Um, this game, they're going to keep making this game because how can you, in a cultural moment that has lasted far longer than it should have and will last far longer yet, how can you... I don't know, how can you honestly make any other kind of art? I feel like the ideas in Dark Souls resonated so much because they're actually present in a lot of art of this kind of era of... Yeah. You know, I, I've talked a lot about how Cold War stories often revolved around, you know, these singular cataclysmic destructive events because everyone was worried about getting fucking nuked. Um, but, like, th these sort of post-history long after Cold War stories are much more about horrific cycles with no clear way out of them that reproduce themselves. And it seems like they just get, you know, a little less life is in them every single time it gets reproduced, but all anyone can figure to do is reproduce it. But I think that Elden Ring takes a constructive step forward from Dark Souls in that it's kind of getting curious about the different ways to move beyond that cycle. I feel like in Dark Souls, there's usually an option to like let the fires go out, and that's always defined by this unknown. Uh, and that's, I think, that's incredibly powerful. And you know, we could go on and on about the dark ending in, in Dark Souls, but in Elden Ring, I feel like it's there's a lot of endings, and it feels a little bit more kind of detailed, like Ronnie's ending is running under the presumption i think that the moon is like a god and we're gonna we're gonna switch it up this is moon god time now uh who fucking knows <laughs> yeah moon god bitches get ready yeah um the space jam theme exactly and you one everybody get <laughs> you could read that as just like you know replacing one other like you know divine aristocracy with another or you could look at it as this plunge into this total unknown in a very, in a very similar way to um to like the dark ending in Dark Souls, and there's lots of other endings as well that kind of move around that idea. And I feel like they're starting to really reach their feelers out and and expand on this central idea of this awful, decaying but constantly reproducing cycle and what it would even look like to try to break it. Yeah, it has this like. I, th I think what what I found most interesting about it is that it it's able to maintain this sort of like folkloric structure that it that takes the the sort of images of yeah I would say the medieval period or like the medieval Gothic yeah um, or like in the case of something like Bloodborne the like early modern Gothic or the Victorian Gothic into a um and, and to use it to tell sort of trans historical stories um and to that that it's this like weird assertion that these historical stories can still be it's 
in a way, like a Robert Eggers film mm. that is asserting the idea that that historical sources can inspire storytelling that stand that 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 is that it, that is in some essential way standing across time in its in either its human portrayals or in our very human interpretation or we don't know where the that one or one starts and one ends we just know that it means something um i think it, i think i think it's able to to try and pull not and not in avoidance of historical tensions either tensions in historicity tensions of the portrayal portrayal within the this sort of historical stuff or sort of like the the the, the distance between us and that history like you can do you can do all kinds of things with history in a game um oh, by yeah. doing your best to sort of like and like to like reduce it to some to to like stick it in a pot and see what it reduces to to sort of keep an a watchful eye on it and to push it around a pan and see what it turns into but like this sort of the what what becomes most essential about it is the, the, the it's the proliferation of these feelings and these sort of bigger ideas like it's re- it's a world of warring you know classes of you know of uh, outer gods demigods and various fallen and forsaken people all mediated by grace well what this the reason why this like is so alive without like having like ha- like everyone has to sing a song and introduce this hello my name is Melania and I am a really good sword fighter. Like you just you understand who she yeah. is and the kind of like role she plays in the story because there's a social system that is acting as some kind of scaffolding to the historical ideas in this game. Mm. It's it's very useful and also is what actually people think it's like Oh, it's like we're always connected to the magic of narrative storytelling, and oh, aren't we all just like big monkeys who are like, ooh, yeah, this, this, like that's that's where you start to veer into reactionary territory. Is that that <laughs> that the the essence is in some sort of like reducible identity in like I'm Viking, and so I'm this way. I'm yeah. just like a big or like the like the weird. I like the television show Alone uh, a lot which is a competition show from like survivalist psychos who go and live alone and film themselves out in shitty territory. British Columbia seems try- like such an unimpressive place. Cause I grew up there and it's like, that is such like beautiful, bountiful nature. You can like yes. eat half of the things that grow out there. Like, yeah, there's beautiful, like clean water rivers everywhere. Like you, you, if you die out there, you suck. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. What's fucking? Cra- it's crazy. Yeah. And they have, but what's so what's so interesting? It has this like, they're like a lot of them are like prim- they're either reactionary or they're primitivists, uh. and they believe in this sort of like transcendent. I listen to the laws of the land, and like she speaks to me. There's one lady who had like a a. God, it's like fucking Lou Gehrig's or something like that. And she's like, I eat plants to feel better. 
And then, like, she had the, or AL, it was like ALS. And, like, she had, like, relapsing, remitting um, ALS or something like that. And she kept losing, because, losing the game. Um, and anyways, it's rather, like, what's so interesting about that show to me is the way that people try and essentialize their own existence. Because it's like, Ah, I'm getting back to the earth or whatever. And, sh- and yeah. then the earth tries to like eat them. Like it's a monster that's trying to destroy you. And the one, the real psychos are the, are the ones who win, who are just like, yeah, I like being by myself. I live in Alaska by myself because I didn't want to be around in anybody. And I like to hunt stuff and kill it. Um, <laughs> and I want the money. And then they win. <laughs> Instead, and then all the, oh man, there's deer in my yard. I just want to close my bank account. <laughs> throw away all my possessions except for just a machete and go become a, a wood person in British Columbia. Yeah. Oh man, there's you can eat every animal. They're all of them. They're all there's food in there. Did you guys know that? <laughs> there's the animals they make it. They make that food. Animals are full of food. It. You crack them open. It's all food in there, dude. You can just it's 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 crazy out there in those woods. <laughs> <laughs> it's free. Yeah, I, I do more than anything. I like being a weird little guy outside, and that's the yeah. Everyone deserves a little bit of that in their life. Yeah, I grew up way way out there in the country, and I I do miss it a lot. It's just that's uh, the best. Yeah, I think just being in a city kind of makes me tired, but also. It makes me mean. It makes I, you mean. When, I, when I've lived, in, it makes me so fucking mean. Oh, is it like that uh, episode I, of Always Sunny where they move to the suburbs and <laughs> and uh, their neighbor tries to talk to them and they're just like, "Is this guy coming at us? We do we have to go right now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're. Uh, I have a weird, not gay, but incredibly gay relationship with a friend of mine, and we mm-hmm. went in on a on a suburban house. Um, and I'm being driven insane by my commute uh, in my 1997 Range Rover, whatever the fuck he like that that green Range. Rover. Yeah, <laughs> that's an incredible episode. Yeah, that one's really good. That's one of their best. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We we are talking so much about TV and movies in this episode. You know what's really funny? Um, <laughs> I I don't know if I ever actually mentioned this, but way ages ago, um, I got like a DM about our amnesia episode, and someone was complaining that like. They, they felt like we didn't talk about the game enough. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we spent the whole time talking about, like, the ideas presented in the game. I think they were upset that we didn't, like, you know, do, like, an IGN review of it. You know, we're like, I, these oh, are the game mechanics. This is, like, a, a plot summary, you know. Yeah, so, friend, so my friend, if, if you're listening, which... My guess is that you're not, if that upset you, because that's what we do every episode. If you're still listening, genuine props to you for engaging with something that, you know. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. I actually have an answer for that. See, there is, there's a certain way of analyzing cultural objects that treats them not just as texts, but as theoretical texts. Mm. And uh, I, I know that I was particularly influenced by this little this through line that goes that begins somewhere around frederick jameson's work and goes through slavoj zizek and into 
Mark Fisher, I know yeah. who many many online appreciate Mr. Fisher and well as a as a future as a repeater books author I, I know I definitely you do. are legally obligated but, uh, <laughs> yeah 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 they make you they make you it's in the contract that's book true contract. that's true um, but no there's like the, the the reason why we do it that way is because we're not just cause there's there's like an online thing that people do they said I'm going to use x theorists usually some some somewhere between uh 20th century like marxism like socialism marxism and then around uh post structuralism post-structuralism and psychoanalysis what we could call with a capital t theory um or marxist theory which are you know two different things um and i'm going to apply x thinker or text to y cultural object that's not Mm. the most rigorous or good idea or interesting thing to be honest and rather what you do is you place the text itself in conversation as as theory yeah in in this in this recognition that this text yes is doing things beyond the author's intention as we talked about in the previous previous episode of the show when we're talking about the beginner's guide and yes we are approach yes interpretation is this really interesting and weird and complex process as is just being a person mm-hmm. and so you you get to the point to where you have to you know I, this is this is all for someone who's not even listening but uh i think it's actually a, a useful lesson um treat the cultural text the reason why i'm able to watch boss baby and talk about <laughs> it as much as i have is because it's not just an object through which I can apply textual criticism, but the theoretical text itself. Yeah. It is saying something by being an object. And I, there's a lot of, when you, when you approach cultural objects this way and texts this way, you find that you can, there's always something to see. There's always something to talk about. Like it's actually, it's, it is, I have talked about stuff that people wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole that I, <laughs> like that I've seen multiple seasons of. And this, that's, that is how and why I do it. It is interesting and it can be useful if you're, if you're willing. Yeah. And as, I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing this kind of thing uh, on YouTube for three years, probably. Um, uh, yeah. Question time now. And, um, I definitely find that uh, it's it's a minority of, of of commenters anyway, but there's always a segment of people who just fundamentally don't get the concept of what you're doing. Um, right. And I, I don't hold this against them individually in any way, because this is a product of how media criticism, quote unquote, tends to be done okay. um, on YouTube and in the mainstream in general, where... When you watch like uh, a review or something calling itself a critique of a film, for example, it is not treating it like a piece of art. It's not like a not like a text, really. It's treating it like a product. It's like reading a review on a um, I don't know a blender on Amazon. You know, you yeah. want the stats. You want to know if it blends the things you're gonna want to blend. Um, you know what size is it right you're gonna you know you you want these technical details and when you see a lot of like 
media criticism. It's it's treating them the same way. Um, and it's like, maybe if you're trying to figure out if this is a film that you like, that could be useful. If you've got like a narrow sort of type of movie that you enjoy, nothing wrong with that. But like, that's not, that's not like literary analysis, you know? Right. You're not, yep. certainly, certainly not like, seriously treating it like a text um and it can be alarming i think when people come up against that because like why didn't you talk about the what types of enemies are in the game you know <laughs> like that's not that's not the point who cares go play it if you want to find out um you know we're trying to think right. about it um yeah exactly and hopefully in a way that is interesting and will prompt uh or inspire you to to think about it differently or or have other thoughts or compare our thoughts to your own sort of imagine you have a brain in each hand and you're kind of mashing them together that's sort of what's going on there imagine imagine you're taking you have three brains three bucket and some soap and you're putting them in together and uh you're you're cleaning them all and then you're they're all next next to each other and they're just like that and they're clean yeah we're brainwashing yeah. you yeah <laughs> to think yeah, about exa- media exactly. in a more interesting way that's a good way. term actually i hadn't thought of i brainwashing yeah write that down it's like yeah 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 i think i think that's just... <laughs> that's how we get people to listen to this podcast really uh, yeah yeah, we, we just cleanse, just gently cleaning and washing the brain. You got to get into those um, folds. You don't know what sort of plaque is building up in there, you know? You got to get it nice and squeaky clean. Yeah, that's really what Elden Ring's about. <laughs> and and that's what Elden Ring's about. Uh, we should say a little more about Elden Ring, though. Um, probably. I mean, probably. <laughs> something that's really interesting about all the FromSoft games is these character through lines. Like there are character archetypes that they're really fixated on. Um, and I don't, I don't just mean patches who is literally appears in every, <laughs> every game since demon souls. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes. I'm trying to remember if, if he's in Sekiro or not. He might not be, but um, well, he's in all the souls borns. He might be. I don't remember. Well, Sekiro is actually one of the only ones I haven't. Pl- I haven't played Dark Souls three, and I haven't played Sekiro. <clears throat> Sekiro is really, really good. It's it. It doesn't have the replayability of like, um, you know, a Dark Souls, but uh, it's their strongest combat system by a country mile, I think. Um, yeah, it looks really good. Okay, there is a character who is. Very similar to Patches in Sekiro, but he's not actually Patches. Uh, Anayama ah. the Peddler. He is a guy who used to be a thief, but he uh, gave it up to be a wink, honest merchant. I remember him. Yeah. He's not Patches. He's not Patches, but he's keeping in the archetype. Um, and that's how uh, they usually do it with characters. Um, I, I don't. I, I haven't played Dark Souls two in ages, but I know one and three both had an Onion Knight. Sigmire and Sigward, um, yeah. who were pretty much the same guy, and uh, Elden Ring has Alexander the Warrior Jar, who is pretty much the same as them. Like there, there's these yeah. types of people 
that are always recurring in these games, which I find really interesting. I feel like it's easy to be like, oh, they're just referencing themselves. But I think that's also kind of thematically in line with these ideas of, you know, these endlessly self-replicating systems uh, uh, stuck in this loop with the same people doing the same things again and again, even if some of the, the details are different, you know? Yeah, they're lit- they're literary archetypes. Yeah, which I mean the the idea that the idea that an uh, uh, a type of a character can represent some sort of a fundamental motif. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Uh, and that this is like, and I think what's so interesting is how these games socialize those motifs and put place them into an interactive environment that forces you to like, like it has to take on. You know, it has to show it has to show its world in a way that other mediums can kind of tell you, um, because they don't know exactly what it is you're going to do. They can only coerce you in certain ways, and so it has to like. I don't know. It's like it, I think, I think that's what's so special about the games. Really, I think is its yeah. its ability to avoid. Like to not allow its repetition to become obnoxious, but to instead archetypally make it's literary. It's again, it's a, all this is coming down to it's actually literary and it's not, you know, the equivalency of, you know, a, 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 a six year old pissing on a bunch of action figures in a sandbox. Like it's not, they're always doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You see it. It's an, it's a, it's an epidemic. The society, you know, <laughs> yeah. These days. Yeah. yeah for sure though and um to to briefly touch on just like a more mechanical discussion of it uh i hate most open world games i think they suck ass i think they waste your fucking time i think you've either got uh games like a lot of bethesda open world games where you spend half your time running through ugly uninteresting fields to get to your next person to talk at you um or you've got the Ubisoft approach where you're just like hyperactively jumping from quest marker to quest marker to do like really repetitive tasks, but it keeps you like it almost feels like a casino and all like the weird techniques right. to keep you engaged. Um, which I yeah, I don't know. I don't feel good when I play those games. I feel like I'm being manipulated. Uh which yeah. is not you know, you don't want that when you're trying to have a nice time and relax. Um I think that a game like Elden Ring has just the right amount of making it kind of clear what's going on, but letting you explore and figure it out yourself. Breath of the Wild did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Elden Ring kind of has a similar structure uh, to Breath of the Wild, because in Breath of the Wild, uh, the castle is in the middle of the map. You see it right away. It's like, you've got to go there. You're you could theoretically do it now, and some people have just gone there like right away. But for most players, you're too weak. You need to go around the castle and these all these areas, and and you know make friends and and do missions for people and and get stuff and upgrades and become stronger and get to know this world that you're trying to save. That's that's a great game design because you always know what your primary goal is. I had been raging. I had been violently rebelling against open world games for just a little bit before I had gone to like, okay, what, what, what walking simulator have I not played that everyone is talking about 
that I like. And I mean, it, it, people call like Firewatch open world. It's like, no, that's not open world. It's it's an incredibly controlled environment. You yeah. just have some player choice, and it's outside. Yeah, you're outside, uh, therefore open world. <laughs> outside yeah, so is like, open. And, and I, it wasn't just to play some stuff for the podcast, like Bewitching Revolution, replaying that, or playing Beginner's Guide for the first time. I had, I'm just, I was so sick of shitty open world environments that like. I was actively pursuing the essentially the opposite, really controlled experiences and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. That was all I was playing. Yeah. And then when I was seeing Elden Ring, I'm like, okay, well, all right. Like, yeah, of course, I gave in the temptation to got it on like a, a couple of days after it came out, and I was, I'm okay. You can't, you can do open world, and I will like it. Yeah, it just has to be. It turns out it has to be good. It just has to be good, dude. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, every region in Elden Ring is um, is like a mini Breath of the Wild. Like everyone, it has like yeah. a big castle you become aware of pretty early on. It's probably where you have to go, and there's this whole territory around it you have to navigate and explore, and you always know where you're going and what you're doing. Um, some of the like side missions or um like uh, uh alternate endings can be you know much more they'll require a lot more exploration you might have to google a few things um but like the main game i think it is it's the perfect amount of telling you where to go uh when you get into an area the sites of grace uh, at least the major ones they will literally just point you in the direction that like the castle is in yeah. you know where it is you know your goal is there you know that your ultimate goal revolves around the urge, uh, yeah, the urge tree, the big one uh, that you can see from everywhere in the map. It's like the exact same design philosophy as Breath of the Wild. You know where you're going and what you need to be doing. Yeah. And I that's normally all I don't know. have the attention span uh, to like it, it. It's it 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 would be difficult to for me to sort of figure out a lot of that what you had to do for some of the endings um in elden ring however in, like like that's not that's not normally my forte i, I just i don't have the attention span i have attended that's why i like the game is because you can do all kinds of stuff and you can kind of you know forget one thing and run around and do a different thing and run into something new and interesting um and then eventually and you will find your way what you how to get to the end isn't that difficult it's on the way there yeah but i still ended up with multiple ways to view the ending of the game by the time i got to the end i had dung eaters storyline done just because i like i liked him yeah he's great i thought he was interesting he's one of my favorite characters thought he was interesting the same thing with fia fia got a whole youtube video about it but like well i i liked the character i thought that interaction was interesting i followed the thread and i unlocked an ending and i did not mean to i just wanted more um and I was exploring heavily, so I found those uh, seabed curse things. Yeah, <laughs> and ta-da! I got Dung Eater's armor. I was wearing it when I finished. Like you know, ah, oh, you became loathsome. That's, that's good. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, so, Dark Souls, as we all well know at this point, the first Dark Souls really fundamentally impacted the industry, and I think that there's several genres of game where you can see which games, you know, what that genre looked like before and after Dark Souls. Uh, yeah. Certain things, there's certain things they did so well that everyone was like, oh, that that should be the general way that is done. Um, 
And it's never great how homogenous the industry can be, but it, you know, if they're going to get their claws stuck into an idea, I'd prefer it to be a fucking good one for once. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that uh, Elden Ring can have a similar influence on open world games because it does right what so, so many open world games do not. Um, yeah. Every Bethesda game, every fucking Ubisoft game could be improved a thousandfold with just a tenth of, of the ideas that, that are present in the design of Elden Ring. So I hope that I hope that it has a similar influence to Dark Souls. Because I, I prefer when yeah, games are good. It's a good game. I, 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 yeah, I see games. It, like I, I'd like if that was good, please. I have I have started to very much value. It needs to either be so bad that <laughs> I have to, but that I can't stop seeing like you have to you have to capture my interest and either be the best game or the worst game and everything is in between everything is just like mushy in between no i'm I, i'm like the lord uh, uh you know you are just like the lord i've always said that well well, well there there's a <laughs> uh uh um salt and fresh water can't stem from the same source so really, be one or the other, you know. Um, there's some Bible talk for you, but no, I'm just, I, I don't. I want something that's interesting. I want something that's gonna take my attention. Nothing that wasn't a point and click or a walking simulator. Like I've been playing Norco, which is f- fabulous, mm. very very good. Um, I played Firewatch. We played the Beginner's Guide. Um, it's a very thoughtful games. Um, and the only thing that had been, you know, sort of capturing my attention and I played Elden Ring for 160 fucking hours. I have not, it was all like the second I had a little bit of free time. It's like, okay, I'm going to go take this giant sword and bash in some weird monsters faces. Like let's go look at this tiny little corner of the map and inevitably discover something. Um, it's a it it's refreshing to have an experience like that from a big video game because yeah. most of the time I'm just waiting to be disappointed. Like it's just not none of that nothing. None, it's just not interesting. Yeah, for real. I I'm not even gonna say how many hours I got in Elden Ring, but I, <laughs> I've been playing it. Uh, so so you played Firewatch quite recently then. I finished Firewatch for the first time yesterday. Okay, we need to do an episode about Firewatch. Um. Yeah, I fucking love Okay, it. all right, we're going to sort that out. Yeah, f- stay tuned for that in the near future, folks. Firewatch episode. Not next, but maybe after that. Yeah, well, what's going on next again? Uh, next is going to be Tunic with a special guest. Yes, that's right. Uh, I'm excited for that. I'm going to start playing Tunic. Uh, I don't know when the fuck I'll have time. Next few days, I'm going to play some Tunic. Get into it. Yeah, me too. Hell yeah. Um, I think that uh, that's about it for us. Do you have any any final things you want to say about the Ring of Elden, the the Young Sheldon Ring? Young Sheldon Ring yeah. is man. It like it's a it's a considering like I played I I played full price for that video game and it has. Man, if you're literally if you if you if you're just if you're just like okay they did that thing again which where they they talked about the video game but they didn't talk about the video game like okay here's my ign review you want some bang for your buck 160 hours like of my life mm-hmm. 
being very entertained and very happy, my spouse is also playing the game and we just like it is like you want some bang for your buck and you want a good video game just play just play just play elden ring and all you fucking nerds already have so i don't even know why i said that i know all of you have already so (laughs) fucking everyone has it it has moved incredible amounts of copies uh especially (laughs) compared to all the prior dark souls games which makes me hopeful that the industry will clue in a bit but i i don't know if if its sales compare at all to like Assassin's Creed because those things sell like fucking crazy. So maybe they just won't care. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, um, that's it. That's it for Elden Ring. That's it for the podcast. That's it for that's it for being alive. Uh, yeah. When we're not recording, we're in a state of death, uh, mm-hmm. and we're sort of quite painfully brought back every every now and then to record. Uh, and discuss the latest hit video game. Yeah, we literally rise from the dead, and it is excruciating every time it happens. Oh my god! That's how much we love this podcast, and we love you. Develop a parasocial attachment to podcasters; it won't make you into a weird freak at all. Uh, you yeah. can find <laughs> me on Twitter at K and Skittles and YouTube at K and Skittles. Um, watch my videos. Come watch me stream on Saturdays and Sundays at 7 p.m. British time. Figure that out for yourself. Uh, yeah, figure out what British time is. Because I don't know. Uh, yeah, no one knows. No. Uh, it's, it's a mystery. Whatever the queen says, um, and she just she's winging yeah. it. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, for, we know that for sure. Yeah, she's on, she's on um, her deathbed. She's fucking, she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, now it it's it's uh it's uh shit biscuits o'clock cuz she's just mm-hmm. completely incoherent. And you can find me um on YouTube at Labor Kyle. I don't know if my Twitter account will be back by then, probably probably maybe. Or you can come to the woods in Massachusetts if you want to fight me. Um just pick a woods and look for me. You'll find him. And yeah, if your heart is true, you'll find me and then we'll fight to the death. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm around on the internet. Oh, what? What do I think? So, is it, yeah, so zero books. I If you watch one of those things, sometimes I pop up on them like a surprise. Um, yeah, just go, just go to zero books and subscribe to that and watch all the good stuff that's coming from Friends, friends of the show, Acid Horizon, and Daniel Tut, and me, and the Lit Crit guy, and all kinds of neat stuff about. If you like the weird theory that we talk about here, oh buddy, the Delizians are 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 on the Zero Bucks YouTube channel. So you got you you'll have your you'll have your share. Um, and that's those are those are my plugs. I'd like to also plug Young Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> um, as just a phenomenon. All gamers are bastards. Ah, mamma mia.